Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, as always. And today, we are joined by Zach Hubbard, the man that is on standby here in the month of June with everything that is going on on the recruiting trail. And uh, Zach, uh, you know, first of all, uh, how's everything going, man? I'm assuming that uh, it's a pretty good day for you uh, with the fact that the Tar Heels have another defensive commit in the 2022 class. Absolutely, absolutely. As we've discussed already here in the month of June, um, it is a busy month for recruiting. But after the dead period, we have, or we have, whether that's, um, you know, certainly uh, a fun time to be in with you know, visits happening all over the place, uh, guys seeing campus and, you know, moving towards that period where we're probably going to see quite a few more recruits make their decision as we sort of leave this June period of visiting campus so you know it's an exciting time and it's going to keep on going yeah and the guy that we are talking about is 2022 three-star linebacker deuce caldwell who committed to carolina over a, a team that he was supposed to take an official visit to this weekend actually in central florida uh another team that a lot of people thought may jump into the race for him but ended up holding off on an offer and uh, basically leading to this commitment was clemson that's something that we're going to have to kind of keep an eye on going forward but for right now carolina's got uh, a linebacker commit in this class and uh you know when you look at what he brings to the table you know he, he's a guy that I think you look at the star rating, Zach, and most people will probably say, "Well, this is a mid to uh, you know low low end three star." But uh, you know, when you throw on the film, I don't know about you, but for me, when I threw on the film, I was uh, pretty pretty impressed by this young man, and definitely think that he brings a, a lot to the table uh, as a hybrid linebacker and safety. Absolutely, yeah, and I think a lot of that ranking um, sort of discrepancy comes into his player projection. Um, he has played most of his high school career at safety, um, so has played primarily there. And I imagine the thought amongst some um, 
you know, some talent evaluators is that his ceiling, his high end, might not be at safety. He might not be a full-time safety. But here we see, you know, North Carolina somewhat recruiting more as that safety linebacker hybrid, as we've seen a guy that's able to sort of throw, uh, flow freely, you know, covering that second layer of the defense. And he really fits in well there. Um, sort of as, you know, this guy that combines linebacker skills with strong safety skills with coverage skills, all those things together to be another of these sort of hybrid defensive pieces that we've seen Jay Bateman and the defensive staff recruit over the years. I mean, the number one thing that sticks out to me is just his speed. His speed, he flies around the field, he makes tackles, he makes plays. So, yeah, I, I, I do understand where the ranking that he has currently um, sort of comes from. But I think, you know, especially with a season left to play, I think that there is a lot more that he can show uh, specifically in the role that he'll likely be playing at North Carolina that I think will open some eyes this fall. Yeah, and part of the reason I think that his recruiting ranking is as low as it is is, again, you look back at the fact that you didn't have the camp circuit this year where guys really sort of come alive, and that's the way that they move up a lot of these rankings, especially you know on certain sites that hold some of these types of camps and everything like that. Uh, they want to see these guys compete against some of the best in the country. And you know, another thing that I think really factors in when you talk about him is, you know, he did play in the state of South Carolina this year. He played in seven games the entire season because his Malden team was, you know, kind of middle of the road. They played in a really tough conference. The state of South Carolina, of course, had a much smaller playoff field than in years past, just like many states throughout the country. So he he didn't get to show as much as he probably would have in a normal season. And I think this upcoming fall, you're right. We'll get to see a little bit more of them. He played, you know, a decent amount of linebackers. They started getting later into the season. Um, but, you know, you're right. For the first really two years that he played at Malden High School, uh, he pretty much was a safety that would come down into the box and occasionally help you uh, in run defense. And, you know, the numbers are pretty good for him. I mean, you look at his sophomore season, 59 total tackles, four tackles for loss. The number that really jumps off the page and what I think Tori fans should be able to take away from this is that he had four interceptions and five pass deflections as a sophomore back in 2019. So this guy has coverage ability. He's got pretty fluid hips, especially for a linebacker. He's going to be a guy that matched up against some of these tight ends, even some of the more athletic guys. He should not have much of an issue being able to cover out in space. Um, you know, Again, he's not going to be anywhere close to a guy like Tony Grimes or anything like that, but he is going to be a guy that is really going to, you know, he's not going to be a liability like some of these other guys that you've had uh, in, you know, in recent years, mainly your typical interior inside linebackers. He's going to be more versatile and be able to get out in space and cover. Like you mentioned, his speed, pretty good. Good sideline to sideline ability. You know, I think the main thing here that when you note that is that, you know, we talked a lot about that last year when we were going through the commitments of Ra Ra Dilworth and Power Eccles. It's not quite on that level. He doesn't flow sideline to sideline as quickly as those two guys, but he still does it at a very very solid level. And I think, you know, one of the things that we talked about, you know, just nine days ago when we talked about the commitment of Bo Atkinson was a high motor guy. That's exactly 
the same thing, the same quality that you see in Deuce Caldwell. He's in on just about every play. Um, you know, the game that I scouted him for, you know, what, a couple weeks ago, maybe maybe a month ago, um, from earlier in the season with Malden High School. I mean, he had 17 total tackles. The guy is around the football uh, about as often as anybody on his team. So he's definitely uh, a guy that I think is going to be in on plays. And I think, you know, one of the main things is, is he definitely looks like one of those guys that coming in, even if he isn't able to come in and make an immediate impact, which is very possible because he's a little bit undersized, he is going to be able to make a contribution on special teams. I think one of the main things that people are kind of wondering here is what does this mean for Carolina at the linebacker position? I think, you know, when you look at it, and, you know, I, I definitely want your opinion on this, Zach. I think the only guy that Carolina probably takes at interior linebacker going the rest of the way is if Sebastian Cheeks was to want to commit. I think he sort of fits into that role or, or that uh, that mantra of a guy that, you know, is, is good enough to take in this class. They'd make room for a guy like him. But outside of that, I don't really know if there's another guy that they have right now that's offered that they would add to this class at linebacker. It looks like they may possibly be done. Yeah, I have to agree there, especially when we saw the commitment of Xavier Simmons to Virginia Tech. I believe earlier this past week or the week before, um, there's really not a you know a list of guys outside of Sebastian Cheeks that are there and available. But I do agree. Um, I think that there is significant, uh, you know, significant likelihood that if Sebastian wanted to commit to North Carolina, I think he is one of those guys like, like you mentioned that you're you're going to make room for or some people say that are too good to turn away. So I, I think there's still options there. I, I can't say 100%. At, or I can't really make any sort of prediction on Sebastian, at least at this time as he's still going through visits. So I'll have a visit this last weekend and then sort of will likely mull over his options and make a decision sometime in July or August. Uh, but as of right now, that's the only guy on the board, and that's still very much a maybe in terms of if he would or could join the class. Yeah, one of the guys that I've seen some people asking about, and uh, you know, I, I did scout him earlier in the year. I liked what I saw from him, um, but it seems like Carolina has sort of distanced themselves from him just a little bit as of right now. Is Albert Red, the uh, linebacker out of Glen High School? Of course, that's where uh, Javari Ritzy, Rara Dilworth came out of, and I think he's one of those guys that if Carolina felt like they needed another linebacker, let's say for some reason that you. Gina Sante just has that good of a year, really breaks out, and Carolina sort of starts le- reading the tea leaves, uh, you know, as they get towards the end of the season and says, okay, we need another linebacker in this class. I think Red's one of those guys that even if he was committed, Carolina could probably turn the heat up on pretty quickly, and he would a- at the least have to consider. Um, he-, he seemed like a guy Carolina had a good had good standing with out of the gate before they, of course, found some of these other guys that I think they, you know look at and see their talent level, see their fit in the defense and think they fit just a little bit better. So uh, that could be a name to keep an eye on long term if they do end up, you know, potentially taking another linebacker in this class. But again, this is going to be a smaller class. So you can probably see that just from the fact that Carolina is not one of those teams that is landing a lot of guys left and right. Um, they're kind of strategically picking 
out the guys that they want. And I think the biggest thing is look at the number of offers in this class. It's in the mid-80s. This is not a class where Carolina is offering a ton of guys. I don't think that's ever going to be their strategy going forward, really. But in this class, to be below 100 offers should show you that Carolina's being very, very strategic. They're picking out the guys that they want and they're making runs at them. So, uh, you know, really quickly, this is going to be a pretty short edition of the podcast. We're going to touch on some of the guys that are on campus. This is, and we knew coming into this final week, this was going to be a huge week. But it's turned into an even bigger week for Carolina. One of the main reasons that it has is that Travis Shaw, who was originally not scheduled to take an official visit to Carolina, he did schedule an official visit, I believe, during this past week. It may have been sometime last week or before or over the weekend, potentially. Um, But I believe it was during this past week. And uh, he's on campus right now. It appears he's probably going to go through the normal three-day official visit like a lot of guys. And uh, this is huge. As we've talked about multiple times on this podcast, uh, he is one of the biggest dominoes. I think it's either him or Zach Rice at this point. Um, You know, again, Zach Rice is probably more of an immediate need for Carolina. So that would be the argument that you'd have there. But this is an in-state guy, a five star, um, you know, defensive lineman uh, that Carolina is is still, you know, that's an area Carolina is still needing to add talent in. They're battling Clemson for them. And uh, so far, things seem to be going pretty well. There were some crystal balls that were cast today on Travis Shaw. And both of the crystal balls that were cast today were in favor of the Tar Heels. And one of them, I think, is a little more significant than the other. And that's really saying something because the one guy that did cast his prediction, actually flipped his prediction uh, today, was Adam Friedman of Rivals.com. He's a guy that covers the Mid-Atlantic area, uh, does a really good job of that for Rivals.com. And he's a really significant name. But the one that I think jumps off the most to me is that Anna Hickey, who is a Clemson insider for 24-7 sports, she flipped her commitment to Carolina and put it at a confidence level of eight earlier this evening. So it looks like Travis Shaw is uh, definitely liking what he's seeing at Carolina. And uh, Zach, uh, what would this mean for the Tar Heels if they were able to land uh, the big defensive tackle out of Grimsley? I think it would be enormous, and we've we've hammered home the point over and over and over and over again about North Carolina recruiting against Clemson um, and sort of the efforts that they've had in that and the battles that they've had in that. Um, specifically, I would say for defensive linemen recruits, we've seen guys such as you know Dexter Lawrence leave the states, or Peyton Page, or KJ Henry all go to Clemson um, and you have another one here another battle with uh, with Clemson where they were perceived as the early favorite and another defensive line a position that you know, North Carolina has already begun uh, to build up that unit with uh, with some blue chip guys in the past few classes but really you know sort of view Travis Shaw as sort of that linchpin you know to add there in the middle to add as a true nose guard to really complete that so I think it would be absolutely enormous. I, I would argue just based on that alone, for me, that adds uh, a layer to the significance of recruitment even over Zach Rice or, 
you know, the high-profile quarterbacks in North Carolina are recruiting in this class, such as Jaden Lucas or Dalen Everett. I think that Travis Shaw just the you know the position that he has not only for, for his position being a defensive lineman, where Clemson has done a lot of good things over the past few years, being a North Carolina native, that North Carolina that the University of North Carolina is recruiting against Clemson for, and then just his ranking as well. He's you know he is a top ten guy. He's a top ten player. He's in you know the conversation for number one defensive tackle in this class. I think all those factors together for me make him probably one of the biggest battles that North Carolina has been involved in. And as we see here today, um, obviously still on his official visit, but with this information coming out today, it would, at the very least, that the official visit is going well, and that, that, that this is a recruitment that North Carolina has a legitimate chance to win and really lock down um, you know, the top player within the state. Yeah, I think the thing that this does for for me personally is I, you know, was of the belief that Carolina was in this recruitment. They were fighting to hold on, but it still felt like Clemson was holding the edge and that unless something changed probably on the Clemson end, them taking on, you know, a guy that they feel fits them a little bit better, something along those lines it was probably going to go Clemson's way just because, frankly, they are Clemson and they're doing what they're doing right now. This is probably one of the first times where, to me, and and probably to some other Tar Heel fans out there, you start to really look and say, this really has a chance of happening. Um, I think that, you know, there's a lot of guys that are also involved in this recruitment in terms of guys that are, you know, current players at Carolina, guys like Ra Ra Dilworth, who comes from that area, um, Miles Murphy, guys that know him that are playing a role in that recruitment as well. Um, and, and, you know, one of the other things was I didn't really know coming into this month what sort of timetable we were looking at for him. I think, and maybe, I, I, I don't know, but I think this is going to be one that probably within the first week or two of July, this recruitment is going to be shut down. I think he has already said that he wants to get it out of the way before his senior season, sort of focus on trying to uh, come back and defend a state title. Um, but is is that the feeling that you're kind of getting with this recruitment as well, Zach? Yeah, absolutely, and that's sort of been reported uh, this past week. Uh, there was some buzz this past week specifically from Steve Wolfong of 24-7 Sports that he was looking for a you know, for a, a summer or specifically a July decision. Um, and he, even he said earlier this week that he felt it was more so North Carolina and Georgia than it was North Carolina and Clemson. So it does appear at least for a while that Clemson has been uh, maybe not losing their grip, but has you know sort of faded out of the picture to some extent, uh, which we've seen sort of culminate in these crystal balls here today on both uh, on both of the major recruiting sites, twenty four seven and rivals. So I think you're, you're just sort of seeing this recruitment sort of flow together. He had already taken an official visit earlier this month, like we mentioned, back on campus this weekend for an official visit. So it, it's just sort of uh, I'd say almost a perfect timeline. North Carolina to really take advantage here of getting multiple visits within the month of June, getting the last official visit, 
taking that visit right before what looks to be the of his timeline. Um, I, 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 you know, obviously anything can happen. Obviously, you're recruiting against um, two, you know, elite programs and elite recruiters in Clemson and Georgia. But you know, all of the momentum seems to be shifting towards finding this recruitment, at least based on everything we've seen today. So let's talk about another guy that we feel like is probably pretty close to making a decision. Carolina seems to be the team that has kind of been in the lead for him for a while now. He's on campus this weekend taking an official visit, and that is Amari and Hampton of Cleveland High School in Clayton, North Carolina. Um, you know, there there was some reporting today. Steve Wilfong saw there were some rumors coming out that he had heard that there was potentially um, some thought given by Hampton uh, towards Penn State, a team that seems to have had some sort of effect on him. Uh, Carolina, I, I still, and again, look, Steve Wilfong is one of the best in the industry. He's been for a very, very long time. I find it a little difficult to believe that a guy that is on campus for the fourth time may may potentially even be more than that in the month of June, and this is an official visit, is potentially going to commit somewhere else. It could be possible. You never really know. Um, he did, you know, kind of last minute put together this official visit. So who knows if this is, you know, maybe something where he went there, saw something at Penn State that he really liked and said, all right, I want to take the official visit to North Carolina and see what they have to offer as well if I go through uh, their official visit process. But, you know, how are you feeling on this one? Because I, I still, I I know, you know, what Will Fong is saying, but I still feel like Carolina is in a really good position with them just based on how many times he's been on campus. I agree, and I, I don't necessarily think that he's saying that they aren't in a good position. I think what he was saying is that there was, you know, to be expected, there was some buzz coming out of his official visit to Penn State, even um, with sort of lackluster season they had in 2020. Obviously, that's a COVID year. Um, people know, you know, on a national stage sort of what Penn State can do um, as, you know, consistent um, producer of talent, as a consistent team that's in conversation uh, for the Big Ten title and for significant bowl games. So, I mean, the Penn State name carries weight. Um, I think, obviously, they had some, maybe not momentum, but some buzz coming out of their visit. Um, but I think another thing that's important to, you know, sort of remember in terms of this is that, uh, up until recently, this last weekend, um, that was scheduled to be an Ohio State official visit um, for Amari and Hampton until they got a running back commit. Uh, they're only taking one this cycle, so that sort of gave this opportunity, gave this time frame for Amari to come in and take this visit. And, you know, whether, what level Penn State has Maybe they do have the lead. Maybe they are the leader. Maybe he was ready to commit to them. I mean, I can't say 100% in any sort of direction, but I think it is significant. I think the most important part here um, to note is that similar to Travis Shaw, North Carolina likely gets the last disc here. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. I think that's something that, you know, for those that don't follow the great super, super closely, that's one of the, if there's any strategy to official visits, 
uh, coaches and coaching staffs often want the first official visit so they can give you that first impression, really, you know, give you that taste of what a, a college experience is like and leave that, you know, good impression in your head early. Or they want the last visit. They want to be, you know, the visit that is most fresh on your mind going into whatever your decision is. And like you mentioned, I mean, Marion's been on campus, I think, more than just about any other recruit. Um, at least it's been reported he's been on campus more than any other mm-hmm. 2022 recruit that I can think of. So he knows this campus. He knows this experience. It seems like a place that he keeps coming back to from one for one reason or another. And, you know, I feel like that's going to play a factor going into this official visit and then, you know, going into whatever decision he has. Um, I, I don't think that it's, you know, obviously at this point, I don't think it's a slam dunk that he commits to North Carolina. Uh, but I think that just similar to Travis Shaw, the timing of how these visits are going. I think that's advantageous to North Carolina in a big way. Yeah, another guy that Carolina is hosting this weekend and uh, one that it really works out for is Connor Harrell. He is on campus for an official visit. And uh, this is another one that's similar to Deuce Caldwell today. I think Carolina should feel pretty confident. They hosted him last week uh, for the Mac Brown Showtime Camp. He is back this weekend for an official visit. Carolina offered him um, you know, earlier, I believe earlier in the month of June, actually. It may have been right at the end of May, um, and it's been a pretty quick turnaround for him. Um, actually, I do remember it now from looking it up yesterday. It was uh, May 22nd, and Carolina, uh, in just over a month now, has put themselves in a very good position. They have two crystal ball predictions on 24-7 sports, and I think at this point, it looks like Carolina is firmly in the driver's seat, especially with Michigan having taken on a quarterback just the other day. You know, I think the thing that a lot of people want to know here, and I'm interested to hear what you're thinking on this one, is why would Carolina take on another quarterback in this quarterback room? You you know, of course, currently Sam Howell, but you expect him to move on at the end of the year. Drake May is going to be there. Uh, You got Jacoby Criswell. And, you know, Connor Harrell, even though he's a three-star guy, I've watched him. I, I, I watched him right after Carolina offered him. This guy's got a lot of talent. He's one of those ones that, again, if he went to some of these camps, if it was a normal camp season, I would be absolutely stunned if he was not a four-star prospect. He's got all the tools. Uh, he's just a guy that, as of right now, people probably just haven't seen a ton of uh, when it's come to some of these big-time uh, quarterback competitions and everything like that. Why do you think that Carolina wants to take on another quarterback in this class? And ultimately, I think at this point, uh, it, it, in everybody's mind, it seems like Harrell is going to be a Tar Heel. What do you think it does for the 2023 class? Yeah, I think like you mentioned, um, I think that it does look pretty positive for North Carolina. Um, with, at coming out of an unofficial visit uh, the weekend before and then coming in for an official visit this weekend, Michigan taking quarterback in this class. It's really just all setting up for North Carolina in terms of his commitment. Uh, in terms of the question of why North Carolina will take a quarterback recruit in this class um, really just at the college level most staffs would like to take a quarterback every side if they can for multiple reasons I mean you, you look at how the depth chart is set up at this point uh, they have what looks to be four scholarship quarterbacks in Sam Howell as you mentioned of course the presumed starter Drake May 
um, as the incoming, you know, sort of phenom freshman. And then Jacoby Criswell, who's been on campus for a few years, and Jefferson Boaz, um, still in the quarterback room for now as sort of your top four guys. But, you know, with all likelihood, you're going to lose Sam Howe at the end of the year. Conventional wisdom tells you that you want four quarterbacks on the roster at any given time. So I, I feel that, um, you know, this is just really standard proceeding. Now, some would say with a spot tight, you know, is that a position that, that you could, you know, that you could forego until 2023 when you have some other options on the board? But as you stated, um, number one, I think Connor Harrell is a guy worth taking. I think that he, you know, has high upside. I, I really like, you know, how he throws the ball. I mean, one thing I mentioned is to, to people is go look at his stats. Go look at, you know, what he's put up at the high school level. I, I think he's, you know, over 70% passing at the high school level, which is just kind of insane uh, to consider. So, you know, high producer, not that, you know, high school production is the end-all be-all of what you're going to be in college, but certainly he comes, you know, from a program there in Alabama and a, ped- a pedigree that's going to prepare you for the college level. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I feel that just in the era of the transfer portal, in the era of, you know, guys moving around a whole bunch, um, how the model for recruiting is, at least in my mind, is if a guy is worth taking to your roster, you take that guy, specifically quarterbacks. If he's worth you know, playing for you one day, you put him in that room and you let the chips fall where they're going to fall. The best, let the best guy play. You know, if guys transfer, that's going to be the case. We're going to keep recruiting other guys. We're, we're going to potentially look uh, to the portal for other guys. So I, I, I think it's a situation which, you know, personally as a fan, he's a guy that I want North Carolina to take. And I think that's just, you know, the standard going forward is that North Carolina and really a, you know, a multitude of schools, pretty much most of college football at the FBS level is going to want to take a quarterback almost every year. The transfer portal, I think, is just pretty much sealed that. That that was something that I think, even if the transfer portal wasn't a thing, I think Carolina fans remember the fact that there was a time where this quarterback room was unbelievably uncertain. Whether you want to talk about, you know, Nathan Elliott starting, Chaz Surratt, back there, eventually converting the linebacker, and then a lot of unknown after that, uh, whether it was you know Sam Howell's freshman year, where he comes in, you have an injury to Jace Ruder, all of a sudden Vincent Amendola is your backup quarterback. Carolina wants to keep this room strong, and if look, if Harrell comes in, it, it just it adds competition, and I think that's the thing that you're looking at, and you look at some of these teams at the top of the country, uh, and if you're wanting to get to that point, if you're wanting to become a playoff team, um, you need this type of competition at every level of your team. You can't just say, "Well, you know, we don't want to, you know, en- end up angering, you know, one of the two two guys that could potentially start next year." Um, I don't think either guy is really going to be hurt by the fact that Carolina is bringing in a quarterback. Um, although I do think that Connor Harrell's a guy that has the talent to come in and, and maybe open some eyes pretty quickly if he comes in and and, and settles in quickly and can, you know, potentially. Uh, get his feet under him at, at the college level, you never really know. But uh, I think the biggest thing 
like you said, is that the transfer portal uh, is always something that Carolina has to think of. And yeah, we heard Mac Brown say that back in the spring that his goal is to keep four quarterbacks uh, on the roster at all times because you just really don't know, um, you know, what's going to happen with injuries. As we saw today with the NC State baseball team, COVID nineteen is is still something that is around. There is still a chance that you could go through a period of time where you will have your starting quarterback go down and you need to have depth in that room. You just never know when that is going to strike. We don't know how long COVID-19 is going to stick around. So I I think that's something that Carolina is looking at. Uh, They look at him as a guy that probably, to be honest with you, probably jumped onto the radar uh, for them a little bit late. They probably didn't know a whole lot about him. He may have performed, you know, at a camp or something like that. Um, or, or maybe they just had the tape sent to him late. They saw, you know, his, his him playing, liked what they saw, offered him, and, you know, potentially can think he can come in and, and contribute in this offense. And I definitely think that he could. Uh, in terms of, you know, the 23 class, I, I think they're going to be fine. I, I don't think that any of the guys in the 23 class are going to look at this and say, Oh wow, that definitely takes away from us. There's, you know, we thought we were coming into a situation where we'd be able to walk right in. I mean, Drake May is still going to be here. Um, the thing that I think you have to remember about Drake May too is if you're saying, well, is he going to have the same trajectory as Sam Howell? We have no idea. Sam Howell is putting up numbers that are ridiculous. His first two years on campus, his true freshman season uh, is one of the best ever, up there with guys like Jameis Winston and Trevor Lawrence, guys that went number one in the NFL draft. There's no guarantee that that's going to happen when Drake May takes over. Also remember that Drake is a lot smaller of a quarterback in terms of body weight than Sam when he came in. Now he's going to put on more weight, but he is a different style quarterback in terms of his makeup than Sam. So it's not a guarantee that he's going to automatically come in and be the type of player that Sam is. So uh, I, I do think that the 23 guys will know that, look, you're, you are you may be walking into a situation where you may have to sit a year or two. Uh, and, and that's something that I think you, they'll end up being okay with if they want to commit to Carolina uh, down the line. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll t- just, you know, touch on some of the other guys that are going to be on campus real quick. Uh, Dalen Everett, uh, the f- now now four star corner. Uh, he he was a five star corner. They've dropped him down to a composite four star corner, um, but still inside the top fifty guys in the country. Uh, he's on campus. Really really big target uh, for Carolina. He's taken all of his official visits. Uh, Carolina is his final one. They get the last swing at him. Seems like that's probably another decision that's going to happen pretty quickly here. And, uh, you know, another guy in that defensive backfield that is on campus is Marcus Allen in that class. And, you know, he's a guy that all of a sudden, you know, this week he started to get a little more talk from Tar Heel fans. He was a guy that kind of disappeared a little bit off the radar there for a little bit after, you know, jumping on in, in, in May when he announced that he was going to come on campus in this final week of June. Um, Jaden Lucas, Dalen Everett sort of took over, uh, you know, the attention when they announced that they would be taking their official visits. But, you know, I I think this is the question that people want to know, Zach. What do you think the chances are that uh, Carolina lands both of these guys' commitments? Because I'm starting to think that there is a decent chance that this happens for them. I think there is, yeah. Marcus Allen specifically, there's been sort of some buzz around 
North Carolina throughout the spring. Obviously, it would be before he visited, so he is going to have to come in this weekend and see it for himself. But I think North Carolina has definitely had good rapport with Marcus Allen up until this point. Um, I do know that he did have a good official visit with Auburn the weekend before, so that would be another name here in the mix to watch out for, obviously. You know, when you're recruiting against the SEC, that's going to be a battle. But Auburn, obviously, as well, has a new coach. So they're they're sort of trying to rebuild there. That could be a factor that plays into that recruitment. Um, to the second guy that you mentioned, Dalen Everett, um, to look at the guys he has on, you know, on his radar, um, or schools on his radar, drop the top five of uh, UGA, uh, so Georgia, Florida State, North Carolina, Clemson, and I believe Oregon as the fifth school. And it's really, in my opinion, at the very least, more of the top three of North Carolina, Clemson, and UGA. Um, he has already visited uh, Georgia, so he does have that official in the book. In the book. Does still technically have one that he could take to Clemson. They don't do summer official visits. So mm-hmm. if his recruitment, for whatever reason, goes into the fall, he could still take that, but North Carolina is obviously getting a visit. He has visited Clemson this summer anyway, so if he's going to end his recruitment here in the summer, for all intents and purposes, it does look like that he will. North Carolina, another guy, like we mentioned, like Travis Shaw, like Lamar Hampton, North Carolina is getting this last wing here to really put their best foot forward, and there is you know, some thought that North Carolina could be you know in a great spot here um, i certainly feel that way um one of the main reasons that people have touched on it and it makes a lot of sense is that uh, dalen has a brother that has recently enrolled at elon uh, the parents as we know are originally from tidewater area originally they're from virginia mm-hmm. now have a, you know another uh son that's going to college in north carolina so at least from a geographic perspective i think that unc makes a lot of sense can't say 100% how much that will play into what decision is made by Dale and Everett. Obviously, he could love you know any one of these schools, whether it be um, Georgia or Clemson or even Florida State, um, and decide that's where he wants to go. But I think that North Carolina has some things, such as geography, working in its favor. Um, and I think that this weekend could be big and them sort of making that push to um, either secure their position or move into that top spot if they're not there already. So uh, other guys on campus this weekend with that group, Caden Helms, the tight end out of Bellevue West High School in Bellevue, Nebraska. Uh, Looks like at this point, Oklahoma, you know, they've been leading in his recruitment for a while. Kind of feels like they are still in that position, um, holding steady after he took an official visit there. Last weekend, Carolina does get the last swing at him, though, uh, so that is worth mentioning. And then, uh, of course, Justin Kanyuk, uh, a guy who the Toriels offered when he was on an unofficial visit early in June. Uh, He's out of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, Bethlehem Catholic High School. He's taking his official visit. He's a guy that it seems like at this point, um, you know, if it, as long as you know, Carolina is willing to take him, which it appears they are because they they extended that offer, he is going to be a part of this class. I think the main thing that this is is again, I think this this kind of shows something that uh, I think maybe some people were caught off guard a little bit by. I think a lot of people felt that. Fisher Anderson was a guy that Carolina was in really great standing with. Um, it feels like they may have gotten some sort of feeling that 
Fisher is, you know, still kind of, you know, debating whether or not uh, to, you know, end up narrowing his list down if he's willing to just take his time. Um, And I think that this may be one of those insurance guys that they're willing to bring in in this class just to make sure they've got an offensive tackle because this is going to be a position of need. So he is going to be on campus this weekend. Two other offensive tackles have already taken visits to campus during this week. Both of them were unofficial visits. You have Cason Henry, the offensive tackle out of Walton High School in Marietta, Georgia. Of course, the teammate of Marcus Allen, who we talked about just a little bit ago. Uh, It looks like he's probably going to end up going with one of the schools that he did take an official visit to. it's, it's usually very rare that a guy commits to a school without taking an official visit, but uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see on him. I think the more significant one, and really quickly, this will be the last thing uh, that I'll get an opinion on from you here, Zach, is uh, you know Zach Rice on campus yesterday for Carolina. Um, a lot of people kind of wondering what this means for Carolina. What do you think about him taking another unofficial visit? I think it definitely shows that some of the people that may have been concerned about the fact that Carolina didn't get an official visit. Maybe that means that he's looking uh, you know, to narrow his list down and Carolina may not be on that list. I think this sort of eases some of those tensions for sure. What are you thinking? I think so, absolutely. And it's like we mentioned, you know, if the schedule works, he can find time to get on campus and did. Um, and I think you sort of look at what the other players in his recruitment are speaking of in terms of their chances, and you do have to feel good about sort of where you sit. Um, I mean, he is going to eventually visit Notre Dame this weekend, but they don't really feel like the factor. Ohio State got the first visit on that first weekend, but there's not really a ton of buzz there. So really, I mean, the top three that you're looking at are North Carolina, UVA, and Alabama. Personally, for me, I'm going to need to see him commit to UVA to believe it, not any slight to the Who's uh, specifically, but just with the sort of reputation of that school as compared to the other schools involved, I am going to have to see it to believe it. Mm-hmm. And Alabama, the school that he officially visited this past weekend, obviously, you know, their reputation speaks for itself. They, you know, did seem to have at least a good visit, but there's not any sort of feeling, at least at this point, that there was any massive shift in his recruitment. So, mm-hmm. With that, I feel pretty good about North Carolina's chances. If we're, you know, if we're sort of following the visits here, following what the recruit is doing, the fact that he got back on campus again for really some, you know, some one-on-one time, I, I, I think that, you know, as rare as it sounds, like we've mentioned, you know, more often than not, kids do not commit to places that they don't officially visit. But I mean, you look at where he's been this past month taking, you know, multiple unofficial visits on his own time. That almost, you know, in, in, in a way, one could argue that that speaks just as much to mm-hmm. his interest in the school, that he's willing to, you know, go somewhere that's out of state on his own dime uh, to visit and, you know, interact with the coaching staff and see what his fit would be there. So I feel pretty good about Carolina, where Carolina sits at this point. Um, I'm not going to go so far as to call him a lock, but I'm going to need to see you here uh, something significant to not feel good. Yeah. Carolina says at this point. And look, I mean, again, it's very rare, but it has happened before that guys have committed without taking an official visit. And also remember that he is going to leave an official visit open. There's one remaining. So 
Carolina could, of course, have him visit in the fall. It feels like, you know, this summer, because of the fact that you had the layoff that you did, there was such a push from everybody around the country, except for Clemson, who held strong and did what they normally do, that they wanted to get as many guys on campus for official visits during the summer because this was a chance to get to know these guys. They felt like a lot of these guys were probably pretty close to wrapping up their decisions because, I mean, you got to remember, just a couple of months before this was lifted, there was still some uncertainty as to whether this, you know, when this was going to be lifted, um, whether guys would be able to get on campus before the start of the upcoming fall season. So uh, I think that a lot of people felt like this was a great opportunity to pounce and you know I think Rice is is kind of holding holding steady I'm I'm not you know with him you know we talk about a lot of the other guys they're guys that look like they are ready to make decisions now um I mean just just about every one of the guys that is on campus this weekend it feels like they are probably heading towards a decision here pretty soon um Rice is one of those guys where I think he is maybe going to hold out a little bit longer, kind of let some things run their course, maybe try to get back on these campuses a couple more times. And I think you're right. I think Carolina uh, is in a pretty good spot. I think, uh, you know, Alabama, of course, is in a really good spot as well. And, you know, with Virginia, uh, you know, I think the, the pull there is that he did have family that played there. His high school quarterback also uh, is committed there. So I think there are some things that are potentially trying to pull them there, but I'm with you. I think right now Alabama and, and Carolina seem to be the two teams that everybody is looking at the most if they had to make a prediction. But I think it's also very telling that this is a guy that is ranked in the top five nationally. Um, this is one of the nation's biggest recruits. He's the top offensive tackle in the country. And at this point in his recruitment, he does not have a single crystal ball prediction. To me, that shows that he may not be as close to making a decision as some of these other guys. So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. But uh, that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast, guys. We're going to go ahead and get out of here a little bit shorter than some of the ones that we have been doing. But uh, again, we are going to be doing these probably relatively often over the next couple of weeks uh, when it comes to some of the main guys that are going to announce their commitments, some main targets for the Tar Heels. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll even do ones if guys end up going elsewhere, kind of react to it, tell you where Carolina goes next. Um, but we do expect that there will be some guys that will be committing to Carolina here over the next couple of weeks. And we'll have you covered with that right here on the Heel Tough Blog podcast. Also over on the website, HeelToughBlog.com. That guy that we talked about to lead off the show, Deuce Caldwell. We've got an article up there about him, his commitment to Carolina. We break down what type of player the Tar Heels are adding to this class. A little more in-depth than me and Zach talked about here, so make sure you go over there. Check that out over on the website. Uh, Some other great stuff as well. We have the stock report. That's something that, uh, you know, it is Friday, so it's still pretty early, so you guys can go ahead and read that. We'll tell you uh, coming into this weekend who's trending up. 
who's trending down, and who's kind of staying still in terms of their stock when it comes to the Tar Heels and some of these major prospects uh, that Carolina is after on the 2022 recruiting trail. And uh, we've got some other great stuff up on the website for you on the recruiting side of things as well uh, with the scouting reports and everything like that that you guys can go back and check out. Of course, we will have plenty of content coming up in the month of July when we turn the calendar. Uh, Of course, we are going to have you know, be keeping our ear uh, on everything going on with recruiting because we'll definitely expect some commitments there. But we'll also be sort of shifting into a hybrid mode where we're still focused on recruiting, but also focus on the upcoming season where we will go through and preview the positions as we have in years past. There'll be articles up there for all of the position groups where we'll go in-depth, take a look at the guys that Carolina will be throwing out there this year as they try to make a run at an ACC coach title and potentially try to get back to the ACC championship game and face the Clemson Tigers who of course the last time they got there in 2015 they gave a heck of a game here in Charlotte we'll have all that on the website for you guys to check out in terms of the podcast you don't want to miss some of the great episodes that we have coming up as I mentioned with the website we do the position previews throughout the year we're going to be doing that same thing again this year uh, on you know the podcast normally we do that that, uh, you know, sides of the ball, uh, but we're going to be going position group by position group this year. We have a little bit of more time on our hands, um, and we have a studio that will allow us uh, to be able to meet and, and, and give you guys a better product this year, so we want to expand it out just a little bit. So we're going to do position by position group for you guys. That'll be really exciting. That'll be on camera as well, um, which I'll tell you about here in just a second. Um, and also, you know, other editions of the podcast, you guys can go back, check out some some of the additions that we've already done with some former players, and we've got a really exciting edition of the podcast that is coming out later on this weekend. It is going to be me and Nick Weiler, the guy that kicked arguably the most famous field goal in Carolina history. Uh, him and you know Connor Barth can go back and forth on that one, but uh, w- he stopped by with me earlier today, actually. You guys don't want to miss that edition of the podcast that is coming up. That is going to be a really, really great one that you guys are going to be really excited to listen to. So uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that it is in your podcast library whenever uh, those editions come out. It'll go straight in there so you can listen listen to it wherever you are. And lastly, make sure you check out the social media feeds, guys. Facebook, best place to check out the Heel Tough blog on because that's where you get all the stuff that we talked about and those video podcasts that we talked about. Those are coming back this year. We're going to be on camera. We got our studio back, so we're going to be doing a lot of the preseason stuff on camera. And then once we get in season, everything is going to be on camera for you guys when we do the recaps and previews. Uh, The hope is that we'll be able to do those separately for you guys this year. So, you know, it's going to be a little bit different. They probably won't be as long of additions of the podcast. So uh, it it might be a little bit of an easier watch and listen for you guys this year. But uh, there's a lot of different stuff that we're going to be having in the works for you guys this year. Really excited to roll that back out for you guys uh, over on the Facebook page. Uh, Make sure you follow the Twitter page as well, uh, at Heel Tough Blog on Twitter. You want to follow our personal pages. It's me, uh, on Twitter at HTB Anthony Josh on Twitter at HTB Josh and the man that you just heard there Zach Hubbard on Twitter at Hack Zubbard 2 
make sure you follow all of those accounts. So that wraps up for this edition of podcast. Want to thank uh, Zach for hosting with me. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.